Are you ready to take your leadership and your organization to the next level and beyond? Your competitors will be there before you know it. Today's leaders must perpetually innovate, evolve, and grow faster than the competition. Welcome to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf. In the next hour, you'll meet innovative leaders who have become successful at the helm of some of the most respected organizations in the world. And you can become the next big success story. Now, here's your host, Maureen Metcalf. Welcome to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. We are at the International Leadership Association Conference Live with Catherine Tyler Scott. She is the board president of ILA. And Catherine, why don't you give us a little bit about your background and then we will launch into the interview. Okay, well, I'm the managing partner of Kai Thoughtbridge and the main office is located in Indianapolis with offices in Cambridge and now also in Detroit. And our mission and purpose is really to empower and transform individuals, organizations, and communities for the common good. And my real passion is developing leaders who hold individuals, organizations, and communities in trust, which means that they will make these entities better than when they first began working with them, better off than when they first came into their lives. And for a time they'll never see, and for people they will never know. So it's beyond their own current tenures. That's beautiful that that we are talking about, well, success doesn't only look like delivering results for the quarter. No, but it's, it's longer term. And it's also beyond your own self-interest and your own particular passions. It's about for generations to come. Mm-hmm. So you're investing in the future. So, and we have an integrated model of leadership, by the way, which is very different from the way most people operate. Because we think leaders need to have technical expertise and knowledge and skills, but they also need the adaptive skills, which means you have to work with people who have the problem and help them to solve the problem. And they're wicked problems, sometimes mm-hmm. problems that cannot be solved in your lifetime. But there has to be a point when you get to the point of what I call, the sociologist calls sufficiency, mm-hmm. good enough for this time. I love that. And you and I actually have very similar thinking, which is going to make this a lot of fun. Yes. So during the conference, you talked about the time of no more and the time of not yet. Yeah, the time of no longer and the time of not yet as a place in which I think our current world really is Mm -hmm. in. People have, as I said in my talk, they feel untethered from the familiar, confused in the present and not even able to see the future. And I think that's a great context to start. And this show is airing on November 6th in the U.S. I guess November 6th everywhere. But November 6th is election day in the U.S. in 2018. And one of the things you mentioned in the conference is the importance of reading reality truthfully as a moral imperative. So in a, in a time where we talk about real facts and fake news and right. all of that stuff, that mm-hmm. it is important to have an understanding of the larger context in which we operate. Absolutely. That we need to have dedication to this sense of true and right. 
just yes. for our own mental health. And also, as we're making election choices, that we have, I mean, the foundation of democracy is an educated electorate oh, who absolutely. is free to choose. Yes, exactly. And part yeah. of educated mm-hmm. is this mm-hmm. commitment mm-hmm. to reading reality mm-hmm. truthfully, absolutely. the good and the bad. Absolutely. And since we've been here and in the many last, different sources. In the last two and a half days, we've had 14 pipe bombs and a synagogue shooting. How do we, as human Mm -hmm. beings, even metabolize Mm -hmm. the reality? There are so many good things happening in the world, too. There's so many good things, especially here. But I do think that this is a reflection of this, what I meant when I was saying the time of no longer, the time of not yet. It's the in-between time, a time, what we call the gap when we're talking about leading change, because Mm -hmm. there's a lot of ambiguity, a lot of confusion, and a lot of anxiety. And it's beyond the point of what I call learning anxiety, where people are engaged and able to figure out solutions. This is Mm -hmm. survival anxiety, where people are worried about their very identities or their future. And the anxiety is being channeled in such a way that groups are getting scapegoated. There's a lot more groupthink, where there's not a lot of individual thinking about Mm -hmm. what's going Mm -hmm. on. We're being captivated, somebody told me, by the amygdala. It's like mm-hmm. a reactivity, an emotional reactivity in the system that is causing us not to make our best decisions. Mm-hmm. Or, it's also causing us not to see the facts. And that's, I think, one of the things that when you talked about this commitment to reality. Yes. How do we get there? How do we get to well, a place where we are... Yeah less captivated by our amygdala, have the, yeah. the comfort and the safety to even acknowledge. And I think of times in my life when I'm overwhelmed, so yeah. I don't, no, I don't no, go no, to the mailbox. Don't, yeah. I just you don't, don't want any more, you don't want any more input Mm-mm. because you're already feeling like you're overwhelmed yeah. and more and more is just going to make you shut down. And I think mm-hmm. that's what's happening to some people. That's what's happening to almost everyone. So almost everyone you know, especially when you see so much data. Well, however, senior leaders, thoughtful people, people who are open-hearted, who are just devastated when they hear this ongoing barrage of, and this isn't a political statement. It's an ongoing barrage of things happening in our world: hurricanes, floods, volcanoes erupting. That's right. That are apolitical. And then well, the, the stuff that happens on either side, depending on your point of view. Well, you and I also share an understanding of systems theory. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we know that it's not just about an individual. It's about the interaction within, between people. Mm-hmm. So in systems, if you understand the system, you understand the need for leadership in the system to be really clear about their own identity and their own boundaries and so that they will not be co-opted into this emotionality that's mm-hmm. going on mm-hmm. in the system. So there's a clarity in, in, in terms of who they are, a clarity about their own identity, and they won't take on the other person's emotional states mm-hmm. and lose touch with who they are, mm-hmm. and everything will be so diffused and so confused. They have to be self-differentiated in the non-anxious presence in a highly anxious reactive system, which if you think about what's going on in this election, that is exactly what is going on. So leaders who are able to set clear boundaries, not retreat permanently, but you Mm -hmm. do need retreat. 
You need oh, reflection, your time to think about what am I feeling? What am I thinking? What do I need to do that makes sense? How can I intervene in a way mm-hmm. that actually helps the system mature mm-hmm. and be healthy rather than create more anxiety and more confusion mm-hmm. and keep people in a state of dis-ease? So that's, well, that's what I mean by you know, helping leaders to make the best choices when you're feeling a lot is going on and you don't know mm-hmm. where to pay mm-hmm. attention. Paying attention to what really matters to you and listening to other people about what matters to them is really where you need to be. And you mm-hmm. can do that if you're clear about who you are. And so it's grounded in self-awareness. It's grounded in self-awareness and understanding of who you are in the deepest sense mm-hmm. of the word. Not a role, but who I really, what are my core beliefs and values? My work starts with with every leadership program What's my life purpose? Yes. And then what are my values? And what are your core Everything's values? Everything's grounded in that. Everything's, you and I have the same belief. In fact, when I do what I call the inner work of the leader, mm-hmm. this is where we start. We start with their story. Mm-hmm. The story, their own narrative of their own life. And in that narrative, what has been the meaning of your life? But what are the values that you see over time continue to surface? Mm-hmm. Those may be the core values that guide you in your decision making mm-hmm. in the direction that your life will take even in the future. But to keep reexamining that, mm-hmm. where am I in terms of that? Because that tethers you when things are going, you know, just bananas, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. I think they are. You're tethered to something that is, as Maya Angelou talks about, mm-hmm. inviolate. Mm-hmm. They don't change. Mm-hmm. They don't change, but there's a lot that does change. So you're solid at the center but flexible around the edges. Yeah, how I express my values may evolve, it will but evolve. what they what they are foundationally, exactly. things like integrity, right. wisdom, courage, exactly. all of those. Yes, respect for other people. Mm-hmm. And that won't change, and you will be trusted, even in the mm-hmm. most difficult circumstances, because people will know who you are, mm-hmm. why you are, and what you're gonna do. There's a predictability Mm-hmm. There, not rigidity, which is different. Right, be right. flexible, but there's a predictability. Because I know, in a situation, I know Maureen's going to believe this, no matter mm-hmm. what's going on, mm-hmm. and she's going to adapt. But I know where she really stands on mm-hmm. a particular issue. Mm-hmm. In a political sense. So let's go there now. Yeah, I'm not imagining that everyone on on election day is going to get up and listen to our interview before they go to the polls. <laughs> No, <laughs> but but for, a few for, might. for anyone who does, yes. <laughs> if they're listening on their yes. way to the polls, yes. how would you, we're selecting political leaders, yeah. and we so often look, I think, as, as constituents at what, how will they vote, um, and I don't know that as much we think about how will they govern. Exactly. How do you pick, what do you look at? to see if someone were competent as, as someone who will govern. And I know this is a personal passion of yours. It is. I start with the person's ability to see a bigger picture. And this I'm talking about the voter. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about the people we're voting for. Okay. But I think preparation for voting is where I would put a lot of my energy first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that is, what are your interests? That's the individual. What are mm-hmm. the things that are important to you? Mm-hmm and your family and your circle of colleagues and friends. But Mm -hmm. beyond that circle, there's a larger 
community and mm-hmm. a larger sense of the common good. Mm-hmm. And I think you have to be concerned about only about your interests, but the interests of the larger good, mm-hmm. because they're related. Again, the system. It's in about a healthy the community. In a healthy community. Everyone. You can't, we don't live in healthier. isolation. Mm-hmm. And these gated communities drive me crazy. You cannot escape the reality of the community. You can build a wall, but it's still there. The reality's there. And your children are not going to be safe unless you're mm-hmm. invested in the safety of all children. Because the people outside of the wall are, are our house cleaners. They, they work for and with us on every level. And they are citizens in a democracy. We're all citizens in this place, and we all mm-hmm. have a responsibility to know mm-hmm. the issues that affect everybody. There's a base to me. There's a basic understanding of what it takes for people to be humane. Mm-hmm. For everybody, it doesn't matter what your station in life, what your economic mm-hmm. background, what your educational. Everyone needs food, shelter, clothing, mm-hmm. and a decent education and opportunity. That and should safety. be the basis of everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then beyond that, of course, there are other things that are unique are unique mm-hmm. to us. So I would start there with preparing ourselves to make a good decision. Then when I look at who we select, who are the people that will be able to pay attention to the issues that most concern us and then will help the community Mm -hmm. grow and mature into Mm -hmm. moral and ethical maturity. Mm -hmm. And that's an interesting point because we we often, I think, people vote for their own interests, and I, I understand this. And you should. And? And the moral and the ethical good it's just something that I haven't heard in the discourse. No, you're right. Because we, we're so positional and turf-driven. Mm-hmm. And it, and that is what de Tocqueville, you know, we're, we're listening to the speaker mm-hmm. this morning talk about de Tocqueville. De Tocqueville was very concerned about this strong streak of individualism in democracy, which is mm-hmm. important to democracy. But it was always balanced with the common good. And he was always concerned about, will there always be this balance? We've mm-hmm. lost the balance. We moved mm-hmm. over to too much individualism. And when you do that and you block out the common good, you end up then just perpetuating this tribalism that we've gotten to, mm-hmm. where, you know, my group is an enemy of your group. And if you don't mm-hmm. agree with me, I'm not going to talk to you. We set these horrible boundaries up. But he also said something that really resonated with me, and that he said, you know, if we keep on this strand of individualism, we'll end up making decisions that are based on sort of being locked into a place where we're only in the so- we're looking at the solitude of our own hearts. Isn't that something? That we're wrapped into the solitude of our own hearts rather than looking at the larger picture, mm-hmm. the larger good, and the relationship mm-hmm. that it has on me. So if I have children that are going to schools that are really poor and not educating them, mm-hmm. that is going to affect me in my retirement. They're not going to be able to have had jobs that they're going to get paid. They're not going to be able to provide Social Security. They're going to be looking for ways to make a living for their own family, so they're going to engage in things that are I was going to say, it, it reduces all of our safety. Poor schools exactly. reduces everyone's exactly. safety. Exactly. Because children who become adults are not yes. equipped we, to function effectively. They're not equipped to vote. We, we cannot afford throwaway children. They're all and nobody children. is a throwaway. Nobody. No one should be a throwaway. But we've had people who feel that way. I know. So in terms of preparing for the vote, I really feel like then you have to do your homework. Mm -hmm. You have to know why a democracy is important, and it's based, as you said earlier, on being an educated citizenry. That's what the founding fathers and Mm -hmm. mothers 
We're mm-hmm. talking about when they put together the Constitution, a contract. It's a contract between us and our government. We give them the authority to govern us. It's consent by the governed that our Constitution is written on. And it's a contract between us and the people we elect. So when we elect them, we're asking them to look out for our well-being and our welfare, our health and our safety. So you pick people whose values are in alignment and congruent with the Mm -hmm. values that you have and the issues that you think are most important to your community. On that note, let's take a break. So values most aligned with yours and the issues in your community. Exactly. So bigger than me, yes, exactly. bigger than will my business be more profitable, right. which I which I do care about. And you want that. But I also want the community to be healthy yes. because the community is the one is the collective of people yes. who buys from my business. Absolutely. Good old Henry Ford stuff. Exactly. Both and. It's mm-hmm. not either or. Mm-hmm. Thank you. We'll go to break. You have given us a lot to think about, like commitment to reality. Yes. Mental health. (laughs) So for our listeners, while we're on break, uh, (laughs) just just a few morsels to consider. If you are interested in the business of rental equipment, be sure to check out Rental Equip Talk Radio with host Donald Charbonnet. We talk to some of the top names in the rental industry, as well as cover topics that include safety, training, fleet management, legal issues, and more. We'll also cover the history and future of the rental equipment industry. Rental Equip Talk Radio can be heard live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480 294 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com again that's jeff spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com voice america is where you are and where you want to be join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available don't forget to view all our live events including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events Metcalf & Associates is your trusted partner to create perpetual innovation and evolution in your leadership and business. Are you ready to innovate and evolve? Since its inception, Metcalf & Associates has been dedicated to helping leaders evolve their leadership mindset and skills and create organizations that can continually innovate to achieve results in a highly competitive and rapidly changing environment. We help leaders, management teams, and organizations identify and create the perpetual capacity to identify and implement transformative solutions necessary to meet their mission and create strategic advantage. Metcalf & Associates offers proven results backed by leading-edge research and a global network of accomplished consultants and thought leaders. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Maureen and her associates are ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your goals. Move forward with Metcalf & Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com today.
You are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. We're with Maureen Metcalf and Catherine Tyler Scott at the International Leadership Association. And during break, we were talking about the shift from voting and civics to civility and the condition of our society right now and how we as leaders might influence that. So what's on your mind here? You know, I was just thinking about this, I think there's been a corresponding decline in civility because there's been a decline, a belief in something bigger than yourself. And it can be any number of things, but it can't be, as we were saying, it can't be your company or your portfolio (laughs) or something like that, or something superficial. It has to be something with some real depth. Mm -hmm. And it has to be based on respect for other people. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, a genuine respect for the dignity and worth of every human being. So earlier in our conversation, you were talking about the community and values, and we talked about very practical, if the people with whom we work don't have a living wage and aren't well-educated and don't have a choice, they'll never, their lives will never get better, then we won't be safe. I mean, that's very self-serving, even, a reason. But my guess is, for you, this commitment to bigger community and longer term goes much deeper than just being safe, not getting mugged. No, it's really about making everybody better and everyone Mm -hmm. being as much of themselves as they can possibly be. I believe each one of us is here for a reason, a purpose, and I also Mm -hmm. believe that we together, collectively, can make this world a better place, which is part of my real, really being drawn to ILA, Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. to advance, you know, the study and practice of leadership for a better world. I'm not Mm -hmm. here to make myself better, even though it's Mm -hmm. made me a better leader. It's Mm -hmm. about something bigger than me. I want to be able to go out and know that people are being able to exercise the gifts that they Mm -hmm. have Mm -hmm. to offer to the world. And I just feel like There's something very exciting and thrilling about people learning who they really are and what they're really meant to be, and it helps me and it helps them, and it certainly helps, Mm -hmm. I think, the larger community. For me, this sense of helping people connect with purpose, and I also realize that's a luxury, right? If you're working three jobs and you're a single parent and you don't have enough food, you don't have the luxury of connecting with purpose. You're just lucky to make through the day with enough food on the table. Except that those people have purpose too. And they need to be connected to their purpose because they'll be better parents. Mm -hmm. They'll be better employees and Mm -hmm. they'll be better citizens. And then we, we will all benefit from that. I think purpose can change. Okay. Because, and I've talked to women who I do these mm-hmm. inner worker the leader workshops with, when you're a mother of an infant, it's different 
from being a mm -hmm. mother of an adolescent mm -hmm. or a graduate student. Mm -hmm. Your purpose changes. The way you mm -hmm. parent changes. Mm -hmm. Your value in that relationship changes. The way you exercise it, you're always valuable. But I think mm -hmm. you have to realize it does change, but still it's important what goes on between you. So if you give people purpose and hope at every level and stage of their mm -hmm. lives, they'll be better, they'll get better. But I don't let people off the hook because they're consumed with working. I think about Michelle Obama's story. I shouldn't name a name, but oh, honestly, share the story because I don't father, know which one. Okay, who had? I think he had MS, and he would have to drag himself up the steps every mm. day. But he went to work every single day, mm -hmm. and he voted in every single election, and he instilled mm -hmm. in his children civility, respect mm -hmm. for other people honesty, all those values that I think every child, no matter where they live in their community, can learn. Just because your parents don't have everything, these right, extra things, right. does that mean you can't grow up with values? Well, and, and look at many of our listeners grew up, whether they're senior leaders or individual contributors, grew up in very humble environments. And it's those very humble environments that shaped us, them, all of us and, and gave us strong values so I, th I think many people leading yes. in significant roles have benefited from the struggle yes, exactly we grew up my sister and I Irma and I we worked together in our company we grew up in a family of eight children my mother wow. was an only child my father was only one of two but they mm -hmm. always wanted to have this large family but they taught us values of being open mm -hmm. and honest Honesty was very important. My grandmother used to say, there's nothing worse than a thief but a liar. <laughs> They're all bad, but anyway, she would say this, and she'd be really clear about what she mm -hmm. wanted us to be like, my mother mm -hmm. and my father. And you would never, ever say anything about someone that was negative that they could not mm -hmm. change. Mm -hmm. So see, we learn you could criticize behavior. But not the person. But not the person. Mm -hmm. The person was valuable. The behavior sometimes they, not so yeah. much. <laughs> yes, exactly. So as leaders, I think we're seeing, well, as leaders and employees and citizens, we're seeing a reduction in civility in many places. Very much And a so. tolerance of reduction in civility. Right. How do we bring it back? Well, I think we have to have individual leaders who get in touch with their own humanity. None of us is perfect. Mm -hmm. And as we learn today, even the most notable luminaries in this field mm -hmm. grow over time. I mean, what we heard this morning is someone who has come to a very different understanding of what leadership education and development needs to look like. But you have to be open to learning. So our listeners don't know what we heard this morning. What was interesting in the conference, from my perspective, was one of our luminaries holding us to account to evolve. To evolve and what she said was I have evolved I now know that I believe that you need to have leadership education and that is the basis mm -hmm. of leadership development and training but she had not thought that before in fact mm -hmm. she was more, more focused on leadership research mm -hmm. but now we've moved to what does it mean it's like leadership for what why are we even studying leadership if we're not going to do something with it for the good, for the larger good. Mm -hmm. How do you define good and mm -hmm. kind of stamp of approval? Well, Robert Greenleaf would always say that at least people are not worse off 
<laughs> Hopefully they're better off. But the yeah. basic moral standard is that you don't leave people worse off. And civility certainly fits and into that. civility fits into that because that civility is really just the reaction to the belief that you have that people, every human being deserves to be treated with dignity and respect. Mm -hmm. If you really believe that, you will be able to, one, actually see the person, they won't be mm -hmm. invisible, mm -hmm. that you'll value their opinion, what they have to say, you'll be concerned about their comfort and their needs just like mm -hmm. you are about your own. Mm -hmm. That's what it really means to me. Well, and civility not just to our spouses and significant others, right. not just to our family members, right. but everyone. You know, as we're walking around a conference center yes. saying yes. thank you to the person yes. using yes. a ladies' restroom, to the lady cleaning the ladies' restroom, to yes. The, yes. the woman at the front desk who oh. makes sure I get to, to the right place with yes. my, and I've to been perpetually person. lost. <laughs> <laughs> to the person on the stage. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It doesn't matter about your status, which is the other thing I learned growing up. Titles mm -hmm. were important, but they were not anything that, that were sacred. If mm -hmm. you had an opinion, if you didn't agree, our parents said you should speak up, and that meant teachers as well. You should mm -hmm. always be respectful. But of the course. fact that they were the authority did not mean that you could not speak your truth. So I do think mm -hmm. it starts with parents and adults teaching you to mm -hmm. be able to assert mm -hmm. your voice in a way that can be heard and respected. So it's mutual. I think that may be the challenge. People who have felt silenced for so long are now speaking up, right. but without uh, the mutuality. And yes. when we speak up in a way that's caustic, yeah. we end up getting shut down again. Our voice is heard and we get thumped on the head. That's true. So if That's I've true. been suppressed, right. which is unfortunate, and I know a lot of people who, for various reasons, right. either have or perceive they have. Yeah. On all sides. Mm -hmm. all including sides. white men. So it's exactly. not just it's women group. or people of color. or Any group that's been marginalized mm -hmm. and, as you said, oppressed and silenced and been treated as invisible mm -hmm. or marginalized, mm -hmm. eventually they will rise up and it'll be in an aggressive, not assertive mm -hmm. manner and it'll be hard for them to be heard. Mm -hmm. The rage that is behind not being seen mm -hmm. and not being valued. What I wonder, as in the U.S. we see these we're really violent and I don't know around the world because gun laws are different, but we're seeing mass shootings more and more and more, various attacks. Mm -hmm. Well, and we're also having mm -hmm. war and, and, and massive oppression mm -hmm. in different parts of the world. So we are seeing a lack of civility. I guess just in our little sphere, it feels like more. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure if it is more or I just well, I see the news more, more often. It's, it's more in our country. Mm-hmm. I think it's definitely more, and I think it's terrifying. And I think leadership can, if you think about the rage that people can feel around their marginalization mm -hmm. or their sense of being mistreated or even their fear, mm -hmm. existential mm -hmm. fear of being eradicated or yeah. erased, their identity yeah. gone. If you think about that, you can light a match to that. It's like a powder keg waiting to have a, a, mm -hmm. a, a match to light it. Or you can actually help people understand what is going on internally and that it isn't fair. I mean, we need to acknowledge. I, you know, I was going to go there the and I wasn't sure. 
and the injustice of it. On all levels. On You're all an African-American woman who yes. I'm assuming have had all kinds of things happen where you were treated inappropriately, unfairly, as if you weren't equal to whomever else was in the room. Exactly. And you know what? You walk into a room and immediately people have put you in a box mm -hmm. or they have assumed certain things about you. They don't even know you, mm -hmm. but they're going to treat you as if their reality, this is where the reading of mm -hmm. reality, mm -hmm. is the fact, is the truth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if you don't have this belief system that I need to get to know Catherine, I need to understand mm -hmm. her, what she's thinking, then you put me in a box. So, and I have to be aware and conscious of that so that when I go into the room, I'm not reacting to that. So how do you and do I that? I do it all the time. I learned from my mother that who I am is not who you think I am. And my value is not the value you place on me. Sunshine. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> See, I learned that from my mother and my father, mm -hmm. and I think everyone has to learn that. Particularly if you're a minority in a mm -hmm. majority country, mm -hmm. you have to have someone to say to you, and this my parents mm -hmm. told me when we were three years old, my sister mm -hmm. and I had gone to a circus with my father who was in the Navy. He was he was at mm -hmm. home and he took us to the circus. We were so excited. We had a great day with our father. And on the way back, this was in uh, South Carolina, we got on a huge bus mm -hmm. and I got on the bus and I sat in the front seat right behind the driver. Mm -hmm. My sister and my father kept walking to the back and there were all these seats empty. I, why should I sit back there? So I sat in the seat, because I could see. And my father mm -hmm. said, Catherine, come back here. And I said, no, Daddy, I want to sit here. And he said, Catherine, come back here with us. And I just was sitting there saying, no, Daddy, I want to sit here. Mm -hmm. And he said, Catherine. And I knew that third Catherine meant, you <laughs> better go back. back there. <laughs> so I did. I went back mm -hmm. there. And I said, why, Daddy? Why do we have to sit back here? He said, I'll tell you when we get home. So when my sister and I went, got home, my mm -hmm. parents sat down and, with us, very young girls, mm -hmm. and they said to us, you are very special. You are a mm -hmm. gift. You are wonderful. Mm -hmm. And there are going to be people in this world who will not be able to see that. That is not your problem. Mm -hmm. That is their problem. Isn't that a great message that to give from your parents? That is a great message. And they gave us that message all through our lives. So Doesn't mean we didn't encounter mm -hmm. racism, misogyny, mm -hmm. all these things that white women encountered too, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or other groups. Mm -hmm. But we had this sense of identity long before we had, we were battered by these oh, by horrible that. messages. Yeah. yeah, I've always said, you know, by the time I figured out that I was supposed to be a victim of racism, it was too late. <laughs> <laughs> Does it make you angry? The, oh, I get angry and I can channel it because I know who I am. I think okay. when you don't have a sense of yourself and you get angry, you either stuff mm -hmm. it and stuff it and stuff it and it comes out in the most inappropriate ways. Yeah. Or it really damages your own sense of esteem. I, I have learned to have voice and I know who I am. But yes, I get angry about injustice. I think it's ridiculous. I've actually said to my white bits, do you notice what happens when we go up to the desk as a team, we're working mm -hmm. together, they only look at you and only talk to you. You need to become aware. Or we go out to dinner and they ask mm -hmm. you first. They only talk to you, look at you. My white friends need to be more conscious. And I help mm -hmm. them to be more conscious. Okay. Because they're perpetuating the system. 
And presumably not intentionally. It's never conscious. We like each other. We respect each other. And sometimes we love each other. But I'm not going to just let you get away with, you know, sitting there mm-hmm. being unaware. Mm-hmm. Awareness is not a giver of solace. It's a disturber <laughs> and awakener, as our friend Robert Greenleaf would say. So say that again, and then we're going to go into break. Awareness is not a giver of solace. It's a disturber and an awakener. So the more aware I am, the more, aware the more I see back to reality. Back to reality. I see the things that are unfair and unjust. Just, yeah. But I also see the things that are beautiful and... You can see it all. And you don't have to be damaged in your identity by being able to see the good and the bad. Mm-hmm. But then it also gives you a real... I think what it does is gives me motivation to continue to do the work that needs to be done. I don't go into despair. So on when we you come have to back, you able to read reality without being in a state of despair. When we come back, I want to talk about how you avoid despair. Okay. Because I think a lot of people withdraw from reality because it's too darn hard. Well, we need a break. I think you should have a vacation. I think you should have a vacation from reality. Not become psychotic, but just a brief break. <laughs> Not a breakdown, but a break. <laughs> we'll talk about what that looks like. If you are interested in the business of rental equipment, be sure to check out Rental Equip Talk Radio with host Donald Charbonnet. We talk to some of the top names in the rental industry, as well as cover topics that include safety, training, fleet management, legal issues, and more. We'll also cover the history and future of the rental equipment industry. Rental Equip Talk Radio can be heard live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-294. 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Metcalf & Associates is your trusted partner to create perpetual innovation and evolution in your leadership and business. Are you ready to innovate and evolve? Since its inception, Metcalf & Associates has been dedicated to helping leaders evolve their leadership mindset and skills and create organizations that can continually innovate to achieve results in a highly competitive and rapidly changing environment. We help leaders, management teams, and organizations identify and create the perpetual capacity to identify and implement transformative solutions necessary to meet their mission and create strategic advantage. Metcalf & Associates offers proven results backed by leading-edge research and a global network of accomplished consultants and thought leaders. 
visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Maureen and her associates are ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your goals. Move forward with Metcalf and Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com today. are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com. Now, back to this week's program. So welcome back to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. This is Maureen Metcalf and Catherine Tyler Scott. And Catherine was telling me during break that she has book groups that read the Constitution. So back to voting and civics. It it is. Mm -hmm. How do we stay informed and support one another in Mm -hmm. metabolizing the difficulties that we're all facing in our lives. And not to sound so negative that our lives are terrible, but also celebrating and cherishing the goodness that we experience every day. Well, I am part of a group of almost now 8,000 women in my state who came together because they were concerned about these issues that you've just identified. And they were precipitated by this sort of what happened Mm-hmm. after our last election. And our, our interest as women and in, in our concern about our communities kind of continue. Mm-hmm. And so we formed this group which was really focused on obviously civic education, civility, health care, education, and also uh, politics, how we have mm-hmm. organized ourselves, redistrict, redistricting mm-hmm. and gerrymandering, which really we, we talk about that as well. So I was more interested in civic education. So we form these book groups where small groups of women are facilitating mm-hmm. discussion around the Constitution of the United States, which I said earlier is the contract we have mm-hmm. with our government. Mm-hmm. Because we don't know enough about yeah, how as, we came to be organized. As you say this, I think of people who spend a lot of time in book groups, but I don't know <laughs> anyone who's the read Constitution. the Constitution. <laughs> so Constitution 101 And in the course of talking about the Constitution, we also are learning how to have a civil conversation about differences of perspective and differences in the way we see things. So this is a great way, I think, for us to take a break from all of this vitriolic dialogue that's going on around Mm -hmm. us and all this partisanship that's going on, which is not healthy to be able to sit with like-minded women who really care about the same things but with, may have different perspectives. So you said it's bipartisan. About. It's very bipartisan. We don't okay. talk. It's about, it's about issues. It's about mm-hmm. commonalities. And it's about mutual respect and this larger sense of something bigger than ourselves. So this brings and together. This brings us together. Mm-hmm. And it's really a respite in a way from mm-hmm. all of this that's going on. But it's also calling us to action. And I think that's important, that it's easy for us to sit here and do a radio show. And my call to action at the end of every show is, I hope you've heard something you can, that will change your thinking and change your actions. Exactly. But work on yourself so that you can lead people Mm -hmm. through this period of anxiety and angst. Because a lot of people are feeling anxiety. 
I talked to one of my friends who teaches at a university, and he said, you know, I've been eating a lot at night. And he said, mm. I think it's this generalized anxiety that's floating around in the, in the environment. And I've got to take better care of myself so that I can deal with my students and help them mm -hmm. manage this anxiety as well. Because that's what leaders do. They actually mm -hmm. help people deal with the emotionality that's going on in the system, the good and the bad, and create change that's for the good. I think that's an important and often underestimated statement. So I'm doing some work with emotional intelligence, and in many cases, kind of the old or the traditional leadership, we didn't acknowledge emotions. We didn't acknowledge inner self and self-awareness. That was all that kind of fluffy stuff. We have real work to do. And now we have learned that leadership involves being aware of myself and managing what's going on inside of me so I don't erupt inappropriately. That is, that is so true. Managing and monitoring your own self. And that as a leader, if mm -hmm. I'm feeling anxious, mm -hmm. and I don't know many people who aren't feeling anxious. If you're if you're in tune and not nuts, mm -hmm. you are feeling anxious. <laughs> and yet I can't go to work and say, yes. I'm feeling anxious today. And I can't function. Because the people who count on me to be setting the way and inspiring, mm -hmm. not just mm -hmm. pushing through, look to me to be inspiring. Not delusional and no, not lying. Not Pollyannish. No, not Pollyannish. But I say I'm anxious. I say out loud, I'm feeling anxious, and this is how I am handling it. Mm. And so it doesn't spill out inappropriately, mm -hmm. and people are aware. Because I believe you live in community and systems too. People can support you. They can either make you more anxious or less anxious. <laughs> and if they're aware of where you are, they, they will know what's going mm -hmm. on with you. And so then I can monitor myself. I don't, I don't want to respond to what you're asking me, Nat, right now, because I need to take time to think about mm -hmm. it. Well, and that's important anyway, just Give to be thoughtful. Time. Give yourself time to think through things. Because I just, you know, I'm really honest. People will tell you I'm honest to a fault, Marine. I'm very transparent about how I feel. I Usually my face shows it. Sometimes that's not appropriate, and so I have to mm -hmm. monitor because mm -hmm. people think maybe I'm judging them. But things will happen even here that can trigger an emotional response that may not be the most appropriate thing to reveal. So I have to know that that's not the time or the place or the way mm -hmm. to do mm -hmm. that. And so I will not do it, but I will say later, I'll say, I'll say this, I'm feeling uncomfortable with this, mm -hmm. and I need to talk about it, but I can't articulate it right now. Okay, so you just said something that's so important, and it has woven through our conversations, and, and it, the word we've used in the interviews is way showing. So something happens... I have a feeling, mm -hmm. I have data, sometimes the feeling and the data don't match, and I have the choice to, at least to myself, acknowledge yes. this makes me uncomfortable or yeah. I feel uneasy, yeah. and it is inconsistent with what other people around me seem to be giving me cues is supposed to be happening, yes. and how do I... Yeah. honor that feeling and investigate exactly. and honoring it may not be anything more than saying okay I hear this and I'm gonna go check it out yeah because it's how often have you been standing in a group and people are talking about something you're like huh I don't see it that way that's exactly right and I'm not sure I want to yeah. voice that because yeah. I don't have enough it's just a sense right now exactly 
And so I don't make a statement. I ask questions, or I just mm -hmm. silently listen, mm -hmm. or I just admit that I'm not clear yet about mm -hmm. where I would be on that, or I'm listening. I want to mm -hmm. learn more. I want to hear more. In fact, when our teams work in groups, we actually have norms, as somebody mm -hmm. was talking. Mm -hmm. We have we have guidelines and norms mm -hmm. that the group has developed, but we've added two that are essential. Well, three. One is confidentiality, mm -hmm. but the other one is there's a red flag and an elephant rule. And the red flag, if anything. The red flag rule is if anything is said mm -hmm. or done in this group that so mm -hmm. inflames you emotionally that you actually leave the conversation and can't participate, mm -hmm. all you need to do is say red flag because it's no longer safe for you to be in mm -hmm. that conversation. Or productive. Or productive. And we need to then help bring you back into mm -hmm. the room because mm -hmm. we, we want everyone in the room. The elephant mm -hmm. rule is when no one's talking about the thing that really they need to talk about. Mm -hmm. And all you need to say is, I think there's an elephant, and it's keeping us from doing our real work because mm -hmm. it's, like it's, it's blocking us. I've never heard the red flag that we acknowledge that something happened that made me uneasy, right? And I may not be ready to process it, right? Because at least for me, when things make me uncomfortable, I get quiet and I think. Because often the thing that's made me uncomfortable mm -hmm. that I think mm -hmm. so-and-so was an idiot and mm -hmm. I can't believe they did this. Yes. When I step back, yes. I'm like, ooh, <laughs> yeah, they're not, they're not an idiot. Yeah. It's me. Yeah. I, did, I yeah. either misunderstood uh, yeah. or yeah. my thinking was askew. Yes. And so I've learned to just shut up and think, um, yes. not pounce. Yeah, that's emotional. Because it's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> Other than drivers who are slow. But I'm in my own car. So, exactly. um, you know, that, that ability to be quiet. But, but I do pull back. Yeah. And sometimes it's maybe red flag. I've pulled back. Right. But I can't. I don't want to be forced to speak yet because I don't have an articulate and respectful right. Right. word to, yes. to say just I'm yeah. that that felt uncomfortable right and and you don't have to resolve it right away but what you do when you say a red flag in the group that we're working mm -hmm. in it says that you're no longer participating in the room this happens often in business groups and mm -hmm. in, in all kinds of groups you sit around the table, you think everyone's there, fully present. Mm -hmm. You leave and you think they've been all listening to the same mm -hmm. conversation mm -hmm. when they absolutely They're never have not. all so listening. So they leave, come back, and they think they've heard different parts of mm -hmm. it. And then you think you're on the same page and you're not. Then all of a sudden you have a conflict that you didn't really need to have mm -hmm. and confusion that you really didn't need to have. But if you actually just say, red flag, you take the time to mm -hmm. unpack it if you can. And if you can't, you say, you're not ready yet to talk about why, mm -hmm. but how can we get you back into the room? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I really like that. I, again, I just for, for mm -hmm. our listeners, because mm -hmm. how often do we, something happens and we're not, not mm -hmm. you know what mm -hmm. happens often to me is Friday nights I'm often tired end of the week I'll go to a movie and my boyfriend recently said something about Black Panther I was like I haven't seen that and he's like oh yeah we, we saw it I, oh. I was so focused on something that I was working through in my head I missed the entire movies? movie I, and, and then he, when he reminded me I remember some of the outfits yes but oh. <laughs> <laughs> but, but not the, the dialogue. But not much of the dialogue. I have to watch it over again. I missed two hours of something that should have been fun and entertaining, but and it's because processing. And you're processing. So even mm -hmm. in ILA, and my colleagues will tell you, even in the board, if I'm uncomfortable, I tell you. 
which is I, wonderful. I, I, I don't feel good. I just, my stomach is turning. I'm not sure about why, why that is, mm-hmm. but this is what I'm feeling. And then I will use an I statement. I will. Mm-hmm. I think you need to say I feel. I think. I want. I whatever. Mm-hmm. But not you right, said right. this, and I was. Mm-hmm. You know. But I do mm-hmm. say uh, what I want. Mm-hmm. And if that makes you uncomfortable, I'm sorry, but. I'm sticking with I messages, mm-hmm, and that's mm-hmm. what I ask other people. To and say. non-judgmental I messages. Yeah, exactly. When you idiot do this, <laughs> then, then yeah. Well, yeah. sometimes I think I have sort of Tone. made them sound like an idiot <laughs> or something. <laughs> well, and not intentionally. Uh, I, I never, never intentionally. But when I say what I want, because you haven't given it to, it's to still, me, it feels probably personal to other mm-hmm, people. Mm-hmm. But if you care about the relationship, and I was saying this yesterday, if you really mm-hmm. care about this relationship and you want to make it better, you mm-hmm. do need to say how you feel, mm-hmm. what you think, and what you want from the person. Well, and as you say that, one of the things I think about, and, and it's certainly true with my business partner and other people with whom I work closely, mm-hmm. the relationship is more important than whatever topic we're discussing. It's hard to find a good business partner. It's hard to find oh. a good strategic ally in India. A good partner anywhere. You and, have to be equals, mm-hmm. first of all. And peer. so the it's relationship... Is, it, it's worth it. It's yeah. worth it. It's worth it to have conflict. But I have to say, I'm hoping in the future from talking today, mm-hmm. we're talking about trust. Mm-hmm. You cannot have trust in a relationship without being honest and open with each mm-hmm. other and realizing that when you have conflict... You need to sit down and work it through so you mm-hmm. can get closer. Mm-hmm. And there'll be more cohesion and mm-hmm. the ability to risk even greater in the future. And that's scary. To me, that's scary. Yeah. Even with people I know and love, yes. it's scary. My friends will tell you and my family will tell you that when I have conflict with you, it's one, because I care enough mm-hmm. and that I'm not going to abandon you, mm-hmm. that I'm still going to be in relationship with you. Mm-hmm. Even when you say, I don't know if I'm ever going to talk to Catherine again, <laughs> I'm still going to want to connect mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I'm not going to let, let it go. Mm-hmm. My twin sister and I have had this conversation because she didn't, she thought, well, we can't have a conflict because then we won't be able to get along. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. no, she says, I know Catherine's going to be in there until the end. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's the safety and trust. Safety and trust. That and what we have to realize at a larger level in terms of what's going on in our larger society mm-hmm. that we can have conflicts. You know, as and leaders, that we can develop a relationship with each other that will take us through the most difficult mm-hmm. times, and we'll still be there for each other. I think that's really foundational because you and I both own our own company, so it's unlikely we'll get fired. But for lots well, of clients people, get fired, so. well, again, they do. <laughs> <laughs> But for people who work in companies, it's hard to feel safe in a world where we toss people off the ship. One, when we aren't performing financially and the company can't afford it, and that may be the ethical choice. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of people are scared, and rightfully rightfully so, that if I misstep, you know, we say we create an environment where people can experiment and make mistakes, but... Those yeah. words can be hollow. I'm the first on the layoff list if I've made mistakes that's or if right. I've annoyed you. Right. And that's so, where you have to read reality truthfully mm-hmm. so you can respond responsibly. It is a moral obligation for everybody to do that. If you know that in your culture they say one thing but do another, 
it would be it would be professional malpractice for us to go in there and say you need to tell your boss exactly how you think and how you feel and ask for no that's because then you'll get fired you'll get fired and then yeah, don't do that so we don't want people to take risks that put them in harm's way so it's a moral obligation we have to say to people we need to understand your culture and you're better at understanding it than we are we're the outside consultant we're still learning it I learned this from uh, Edgar Schein mm -hmm. The people in there will always be better at reading their reality than you will ever be. So we have 30 seconds left. What was the statement about reading your reality? I always said that leaders have a moral obligation to read reality truthfully and to respond responsibly. So read Very reality truthfully. truthfully. So you can respond responsibly. And on this day of voting, if people are listening on the voting day, not downloading later, yes. please vote and vote please responsibly. Vote and vote responsibly. And if you're not listening to it on the day we vote, there's another election coming up there's and we hear nothing but election stuff here right now. elections going into the far future and it's going to affect the future of generations to come, not only in your own family, but in other people's families. And it's got, what kind of world do we want to start to create? So and that's our action today that's going to help put that into motion. So thank you. And how would people find out about your company? You can reach me at Kai Thoughtbridge. And of course, it's on the website, www.kaithoughtbridge.com. K-A-I? K-I. K-I. Thoughtbridge. Okay. Yes. And it's a borrowed term, but it really means the beginning of all things to which everything ends and everything returns. It's a holistic model That's of working with people. a beautiful term. So Kai Thoughtbridge. Yes. And Catherine Tyler yes. Scott, thank yes. you so much for your thank generous you, time. It's been a pleasure. Thank Enjoy you. to talk to you. I know at thank the you. end of a conference yeah. you were tired as am I. Yes, but and so it's I been appreciate fun to talk this. To you. This you time so together. Much, you have so much to say, so much to offer. It's just fun. And a lot Thank of you. same thinking. Which I appreciate. Thank you again for joining us this week. Please tune in for another edition of Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope you'll join us then. Drive and thrive and have a great week.